All right, well, good morning, New Life Church. How's everybody today? Good, good. It's, you guys seem to be well because you're talking like crazy, which is good. So just uh, we'll pick back up with talking like crazy in a little bit after service. But hey, it's good to have the fellowship. Good to see you all as everybody makes their way back to their seat today. Let's get in the Word of God today. We're going to be, our main text is going to be found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Actually, we're going to be starting a, a new series today. Uh, it's called The Church Is. The Church Is. And what we're going to be doing is actually looking at what the Bible has to say about what the church is and about its impact and about the, um, the mission of the body of Christ, the mission of the church, and which means uh, includes us. It's about the people. It's not about uh, a, a brick and mortar building. It's it's not about four walls. It's not necessarily about the location. It, it's really about the people of God and what God's purpose is through what the Bible calls the church. And so we're going to be looking at that today. Acts chapter 2. I'm actually going to be reading this first part of our text from the message version. So if you don't have that, it's going to be on the screen uh, that you can follow along. We're going to be verses 42 through 47. <clears throat> Acts 2, 42. It says this. It says, they, talking about the new believers, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal and the prayers. Everyone was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. Can you say everything in common? They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal, a food fight. Right? No. Every meal... A gossip time. No, what's every meal? Pass the potatoes. Every meal, a celebration. Exuberant and joyful as they praised God. And people in general liked what they saw. Speaking of those on the outside looking to the inside, every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this hour, this day and time, hopefully not because religion says, hey, you're supposed to get together, but because, God, we want to be. We want to be together in your name, looking to heaven, Rejoicing and celebrating the life that we have in you, Jesus. Our knowing our sins are forgiven. That our past has been redeemed. Our future is secure. And that, God, it is in you that we live and move and have our being. Thank you, Jesus, for first loving us. So now we can love each other. And we can love you. Now as we open your word, we pray, speak to us. Breathe fresh life into us. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, God, and help our lives to actually walk out what it is we say we're about. 
Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here today. Helping us to reorient our focus, to clear our perspective, and to be reminded that Jesus, you are the King, and there is no one else beside you. You are good, and you are high and lifted up. And now, we give you our attention through your word. I ask that you would speak through me. You speak. You speak, Jesus, the great shepherd, to your people today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody who agrees can say amen. So be it. Praise God. The church is. Today I want to talk about one of the first things that the Bible highlights and expounds on and showcases really, illuminates that the church is relational. The church is relational. I love the church. I love the local church. I love the universal church. I love what God calls the church. I've only, I've been privileged to be a part of two church families in my short 41 and some odd years of life, just two, since being born again. A church I'm from in Memphis, formerly known as Christ the Rock Church, now known as Renewal Church, and this body of believers that I'm very fortunate to be able to lead and pastor, shepherd, and stand before you and have your trust. Just two. Two church families. Um, I don't know what that really says about me, not much, other than I'm just glad that I, I, I get to be, I've gotten to be a part. Those, these two church families in my life have played some instrumental key roles in my development, spiritual formation, transformation, discipleship, learning what it means to follow Christ as best as I can, discovering gifts and talents that God blessed me with, callings and purpose and destiny and all the above relationships, uh, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of things. The church has played a, some big parts in my life. And, you know, the Bible declares and shows us that the church really is part of God's plan to be, a, to be significant in the life of individuals and families. You know, the church is described in a, a lot of different ways, uh, a lot of different descriptions about the church in the New Testament and but there's there's something about those many things that that are that the Bible describes that there's a common some commonality and some common threads. I'm just going to kind of state these out there to you today. Peter, he says this about the church in 1 Peter 2:9. He says, "The church is a holy nation and a holy priesthood." Meaning that the church shares a common citizenship in heaven and a common service right here on earth. He also says in chapter 5, verse 2, that the church is a flock, meaning that the church shares a common need to be fed, to be led and cared for and protected by our great shepherd, Jesus. Jesus even said the ch- talked about the church in John chapter 15, verse 5, that the church is, we're, we're like branches, meaning that as the church we share a common connection to God to bear fruit with our lives. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 25, calls the church a, says it's described as an assembly, like today, an assembly. You guys hear that rough part? Is that just me or is that, I don't know. Okay, maybe try to get that fixed. I'm working on it. An assembly, meaning the church shares a common connection, or a, yeah, a common calling, rather, to gather together 
in the presence of God like today. It's biblical to do so. Paul, the apostle, talks about the church in Ephesians 2. He says the church is described as a temple, meaning we share a common structure being built upon a common foundation with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. See all these commonalities there that are described. He also said in 1 Corinthians 12 that the church is like a body, described like a body, meaning we share a common connection to one another with a dependency upon each other, ultimately connected to and dependent upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A lot of common things with a lot of different descriptions, but ultimately, ultimately, the church is the family of God. God's family. The word church, depending on translation, appears 77 times in the New Testament. The words body of Christ appear about 15 times in the New Testament. And so ultimately, one cannot say that I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to have anything to do with the body. Can't. Not truthfully. You see, when you attach yourself to the head, Christ, that makes you a part of the body, the church. And I, yeah, I get it. The church isn't perfect. The body isn't perfect. It's full of scars and blemishes and inadequacies and disappointments and different things to that nature. But here's the thing about what, what Jesus said about the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the powers of hell, will not conquer it. That is how much Jesus believes in the church. In fact, Ephesians 5 says that Jesus loved the church so much that he gave himself up for her. A description of God's love through his son for the church. That Jesus obviously believes enough in the church to die for us, but he also believes enough in us to build us up in a way to where hell will not win. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a good thing. That's good news. That, 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 that means the end of the story is if we stay connected to the right things, then that means we can win. We will overcome. And that hell will not conquer us. Hell will not defeat us. Satan's plan for, for humanity will not prevail in our lives. It's a human choice. It's an individual choice, but it's a choice that you and I have to make. So it leads us to this conclusion that there's no biblical support or encouragement that says a Christian can somehow exist apart from the local church. You can't embrace the groom and ignore his bride. How rude, right? You go to a wedding, I'm just here for the groom. The groom is, mm-hmm, but that bride, ooh, she ugly. Right? Nobody goes to a wedding and if they do, they're pretty crazy. They're pretty whack. They're probably not going to be invited to the reception, eat the good food, or any of that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, no, you're not welcome there because you don't like me, right? So you, we can't have and like the groom, but ignore the bride. And I have to tell you that, unfortunately, there is that deception in the world today that the enemy has loosed upon humanity that, hey, you can have God you don't need to have anything to do with the church. The church that is described in all these different ways that the New Testament lays out beautifully and clearly for us, showcasing we have a common connection throughout all those things with a common purpose, that friends, 
We can't embrace the groom and ignore the bride. It's impossible to be everything and to do everything and to accomplish what God wants for your life. So the church is many things. It's been described as many things, but there's one thing in particular we're going to look at today about the church is relational. You guys still with me? Anybody want to walk out of church today? Okay. If you do, I won't say anything. I won't like, hey, where are you going or any of that, okay? The church is relational. Here are some main things why the church is relational. Because the Godhead is relational. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is relational. The church is relational because Jesus himself is relational. You see it displayed in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He had, a, he had his one, he had his three, he had his twelve disciples, he had his seventy-two squad. That's a new word I learned last night at Barn Fest. I'm so behind the times. Squad. That was pretty cool. That made me feel a little bit younger again. You know, not so old. That was cool. That's he had his squad, right? He had his squad. I'm tempted to go with it, but I got to, I, I just, that's not me. I'm not on the hip-hop stage. The church is relational as well <laughs> because the New Testament church was relational. We just read about it. Our main text, Acts 2, the beginning of the church instituted. But here's some things that, here's what I, I want to get to today. I want to leave you with these few thoughts here. And that is, when we fail to connect relationally with the church, when we fail to invest our heart, soul, mind, and strength into the church relationally, there are some negative side effects that will tend to happen in our life. Negative side effects. And I'm going to just give, we're just talking about three negative side effects today that can tend to happen in our life when we fail to connect relationally as the body of Christ, as the church. Here's the first one. Number one is this, that we tend to drift spiritually. When we're not connected relationally with the church, we tend to drift spiritually. Let's look at it, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Reading now the NLT version, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. In other words, he's letting us know this is going to always be the case until Jesus Christ returns, that it's always going to be about this right here. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Verse uh, 16, it says, let me skip down verse 16. It says, he makes, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So, we tend to drift spiritually when we fail to connect relationally. 
It's a story about a man named Steve. Steve was a great uh, athlete in high school, a great football player. And he injured his leg. He ended up having to drop out of school in college, dropped out of school. He got married, had a child. And Steve didn't intentionally, he didn't, you know, choose to defy God, but what Steve did was he drifted. He drifted. You see, Steve, instead of, you know, he thought it was best to just get drunk and stay drunk all the time instead of actually work on his marriage, so he got divorced. Steve thought it was just easier to complain about working, so he lost his job. Steve didn't like it when people around him would tell him the truth, so instead of being connected to people that told him the truth, he gravitated to people who told him what he wanted to hear all the time. So Steve pretty much wasted his life. Estranged from his son, he ended up actually having to move in with his son, but mainly because he didn't have anywhere else to go. To pass the time, Steve sat in his bedroom all day watching porn. Ate all kinds of junk food, let his body go, let his health go, just basically was wasting away, waiting to die. What was sad about Steve's life is it was said that when he passed, nobody mourned. He didn't choose to defy God, but he drifted. He drifted because he failed to connect relationally with the right people in his life. And friends, that can happen to any single one of us. When you and I think that we can do this God thing all by ourselves, we will eventually find ourselves so far removed that we will think what is wrong. Or we may not think what was wrong. We might be like Steve, just waiting to just die because we drifted. Didn't just immediately have this chasm put in our life from, from, from anybody. It just, we just started to drift and drift and drift and drift and drift and drift like a, like a, like a ship lost at sea. Just no, going nowhere, going in no spe- specific place, no, no direct destination, just drifted. And friends, that can happen to us. The Bible's clear that we're called to connect relationally because of all the descriptions of what the church is about. It details that the church is, in fact, relational. And, you know, we were built for relationship. You and I, we were created for relationship. God formed us in His image, fashioned us in His likeness, created us for fellowship, wired us for relationship. Yet relationship is one of the hardest things to work out in life sometimes, isn't it? It's okay to be honest. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. But it's relational. God is relational. Jesus himself is relational. The, the church is, 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 a new, is a, an example of relational components. And we can drift spiritually when we're not connected relationally. Number two, here's a second thing. A second side of, negative side effect that can happen when we're not connected Relationally, Anybody with me still? Everybody rolling with me? Here's number two. When we're not connected relationally to the church, we tend to delay our destiny. 
we tend to delay our destiny. Let's look at it, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Can you say everyone? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank God. Over 100 people last night called on the name of the Lord to be saved. Over over 7,000 people. And in that crowd of over 7,000 people, God knew there were some who were separated from him. And they just call, they called on his name. And it didn't matter who they were. didn't matter what sins they committed. didn't matter what they looked like. All that mattered is that they stood up and walked to the front. And people embraced them and prayed for them and took their time to minister to their broken hearts and to help them ensure that you now belong to Jesus. And now that you belong to Jesus, you belong to the church. And in fact, that's probably one of the first things anybody's ever, uh, ever says to somebody when they accept Christ for the first time. You need to be a part of the church. That was what the, the youth minister told me some 26 years ago. Born again, received Christ, sins forgiven, felt like a new person. He said, you've got to be a part of a church. you got to. you got to. And what happens if we don't connect relationally? We delay our destiny, verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Through every season of life, God has people positioned in our path that he authorized to be in place to help steer us in our destiny. And without us connecting to those people, we will fall prey to delaying our destiny. In night, from 1991 to 19, 1998, those are some of the most instrumental years of my life. It was when we, like I said, born again, get into the church, my family and I, we all connected into a local church there in Memphis. And it was at that t during those years that I began to realize, one, how much God loved me. Secondly, how much God wanted to use my life. And thirdly, how much people, God's people, how much they loved me and accepted me for who I was. My circle of friends changed from school friends to church friends in essence, not because I didn't like my school friends anymore, it's just I realized how much the church friends loved me for who I was and I didn't have to perform for them. And that, radical, that radically changed who I was. People giving me opportunity to just be me and not have to worry about what anybody thought. That's probably some of the most freeing environments you and I can ever find ourselves in. And I pray and hope every day that this is the church that that happens, that you can do that in. And so 
learning that God had put, put potential in me, put purpose in me, has a destiny for me, had, had wanted to use my life, et cetera, et cetera. And then graduating high school that summer, I realized God was really, in fact, calling me to serve him in full-time ministry in some capacity. At that time, I thought I was going to be this traveling wildfire youth evangelist, traveling the nation, just, just going crazy, legit with fires, just like burning for the Lord. Everywhere I was going to go was a trailblaze of, of revival. I mean, I just had it all in my mind. Man, that's what I was going to do. And, and you know, I think I, nothing wrong with that. I think that's, that'd be awesome. But that is not what God wanted me to do as far as travel the nation or the world or any of that kind of stuff, doing that. I sat down with my youth pastor, shared my heart, my dream with him, and he says, you know, I think that's powerful. God does want to use you in a big way. But he said, why don't you learn to grow a little bit in your character before you go travel? He said, I'm telling you, if you'll listen to me, you'll be good. If you don't listen to me, it don't matter what you go to do. It ain't going to work. Because where God calls you, character has to sustain you. And as I was reminded this week by an older person in our church, in a gentle way, the formation of character is a very long and grueling process. Sometimes you feel like your teeth are getting kicked in. Isn't that fun to grow in the love of God with your teeth getting kicked in? It's just great. Sometimes it feels like that. But it's not because God doesn't love you. In fact, the word tells us that God chastens and disciplines and corrects those whom he loves. We should count it an honor when those in authority in our life correct us. Because without the correction and the adjustments in, our, in the course of our life, we would not walk in our destiny in the time frame in which we're supposed to. And so that's what can happen when we fail to connect relationally to the church. We can delay our destiny. It's not that the church or the pastors or the leaders or people in it want to control your life. It's just they know a little bit more than you do. And it's the fact that really they care for you. Deep inside they love you and they're there to help protect you. And they're there to help lead you, steer you towards your destiny, not away from it. Church is meant to help steer you towards your destiny. The relationships in the church are, yeah, there are there's some fractured people, absolutely. But I think deep inside, the common thread is really, we do love each other. Sometimes we just have a hard time of expressing it. Because we're all broken. And we're all fractured and we're learning to what it means to be whole in Christ. Amen? But we can delay our destiny if we don't stay connected relationally to the church. I had an opportunity early college years to travel the nation. I had tried out and made uh, the cut for a traveling drama company. It was a gospel-centered one. It traveled the nation in an, into Canada. And I had made that team, I had made that team and it was thinking about going. But I, I, I obviously realized that was not what the Lord had intended for me. It was there, it was presentable, I could do it, but it didn't mean I was supposed to do it. Not every opportunity that is presented to us means we should do it. We have to consult our headship, Jesus Christ. 
And it's always a good idea to, to do what Proverbs said, is to have the, the, uh, to have the multitude of counselors around us to help us make sure we're making some of the most best decisions that we can make. Not, and again, not everybody's right, not everybody's accurate, but if we give it to the Lord and trust that He is guiding us, then He will get us where we need to go, amen? And the rest is history. I'm here. Thank God. I'm, I love this place. I love Jackson. I don't see myself living anywhere else. If God changes that, then He changes that. It's not in my heart and my mind to change that, but I, I'm rooted here. My children were born here. Uh, they were dedicated to the Lord here. My oldest was baptized here amongst this family of faith right here and so many more, you know, able to, uh, privileged to do what I do with you guys. And I, and, 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 and thanks God, I thank God for the grace that he gives and the grace you give. And, and I, I, I'm just, I just love the fact that, that God knows what he's doing and that if we will stay connected relationally, we won't delay our destiny. It'll happen in the time frame that it needs to happen in. Amen? And lastly, wrap up. Everybody with me? Got time for one more? When we don't connect relationally to the church, I'm talking about three negative side effects. We tend, number one, we tend to drift spiritually. Number two, we tend to delay our destiny. And the third one is this, we tend to drop morally. We tend to drop morally. Let's look at it, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6 verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, talking to the Church, if, any, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Oh, if I could just live that verse alone every day, I would be a whole lot better. <laughs> verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant, reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. You've heard that verse. Let's don't grow weary in well-doing. That's what that's talking about. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up doing what we're supposed to do. Therefore... Verse 10, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, but especially to those in the family of faith. That's one reason we take care of our own first, because if we can't take care of our own first, we have no business taking care of anybody else. So we contend to drop morally. Here's a question for us. If I'm not connected relationally to the church, how can I ever be restored back to the right path? 
And on the other side of that, if I'm not connected relationally to the church, then how can I help another believer be restored back to the right path? You mean God wants to use me to help bring people back to the right path and help people get on the right path? Emphatically, enthusiastically, and loudly, yes. God wants to use your life to do that. And if you ever find yourself on the wrong path, I pray, as long as you're a part of this church, that the body of believers here, the family of faith here, will be gentle and humble and help get you back to the right path. Not because we're trying to control your life, not because we're trying to suck all the fun out of your life, not because we're a bunch of religious nutheads, but because we just simply love you and care for you. And we don't want to see you screw your life up. Right? I'm so glad somebody was bold enough, courageous enough, and loving enough to grab me up and say, you're gonna screw your life up if you keep going down that path. Do you really want to waste and forfeit your future and the Lord and how He wants to use your life and who He even has for you to marry and all that just because you want to do what you want to do right now? Talk about a thump in the head. Talk about a bag over the head and a punch in the face. Did it hurt? Stung a minute. Did it jar me to my right person? Yeah, it did. You see, it's okay sometimes for us to talk to each other like that. The Bible describes it as this, speaking the truth in love. Is there a right way and a wrong way to do it? Absolutely. And let's be patient with those that don't do it the right way all the time. Because God knows I have to be patient with some of you when you don't talk to me the right way all the time. I know you mean well. And you have to be patient with me when I don't talk to you the right way all the time. Because I don't even talk to my own kids the right way all the time. This parenting thing is tough. That alone is a calling. It's hard. I'm, I'm not, some days I am not winning that thing. The church is relational. The church is relational. We're all to, we have to get connected, be connected, and stay connected. Amen?